0: Chapter Ten, of Antic Hay, by Aldous Huxley. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Ten, Mister Boldero liked the idea of the patent small clothes. He liked it immensely. He said, "Immensely, there's money in it." He said, Mister Boldero was a small, dark man, of about forty-five active as a bird and with a bird's brown beady eyes a bird's sharp nose he was always busy always had twenty different irons in the fire at once was always fresh clear-headed never tired he was also always unpunctual always untidy he had no sense of time or of order but he got away with it as he liked to say he delivered the goods or rather the goods in the convenient form of cash delivered themselves almost miraculously it always seemed to him he was like a bird in appearance but in mind gumble found after having seen him once or twice he was like a caterpillar he ate all that was put before him he consumed a hundred times his own mental weight every day other people's ideas other people's knowledge they were his food he devoured them and they were at once his own all that belonged to other people he annexed without a scruple or a second thought quite naturally as though it were already his own and he absorbed it so rapidly and completely he laid public claim to it so promptly that he sometimes deceived people into believing that he had really anticipated them in their ideas that he had known for years and years the things they had just been telling him and which he would at once airily repeat to them with the perfect assurance of one who knows knows by instinct as it were by inheritance at their first luncheon he had asked Gumbrel to tell him all about modern painting Gumbrel had given him a brief lecture before the savoury had appeared on the table mr Boldearer was talking with perfect familiarity of picasso and Dorin. he almost made it understood that he had a fine collection of their works in his drawing-room at home being a trifle deaf however he was not very good at names and gumbel's all too tactful corrections were lost on him he could not be induced to abandon his picasso in favour of any other version of the spaniard's name picasso why he'd known all about picasso since he was a schoolboy picasso was an old master already mr boldero was very severe with the waiters and knew so well how things ought to be done at a good restaurant that gumbel felt sure he must recently have lunched with some meticulous gormandizer of the old school and when the waiter made as though to serve them with brandy in small glasses mr Boldero was so passionately indignant that he sent for the manager do you mean to tell me he shouted in a perfect frenzy of righteous anger that you don't yet know how brandy ought to be drunk perhaps it was only last week that he himself gumbrell reflected had learned to aerate his cognac in gargantuan beakers meanwhile of course the patent small-clothes were not neglected as soon as he had been told about the things but mr boldero began speaking of them with a perfect and practised familiarity they were already his mentally his and it was only mr boldero's generosity that prevented him from making the small clothes more effectively his own if it weren't for the friendship and respect which i feel for your father mr gumbrell he said twinkling genially over the brandy i'd just annex your small clothes baggin baggage just annex them ah but they're my patent said gumbel or at least they're in process of being patented the agents are at work mr boldero laughed do you suppose that would trouble me if i wanted to be unscrupulous i'd just take the idea and manufacture our article you'd bring an action i'd have it defended with all the professional erudition that could be brought you'd find yourself let in for a case that might cost thousands and how would you pay for it you'd be forced to come to an agreement out of court mr gumbrill that's what you'd have to do and a damned bad agreement it would be for you i can tell you mr Boldero laughed very cheerfully at the thought of the badness of this agreement but don't be alarmed he said i shan't do it you know gumbrill was not wholly reassured tactfully he tried to find out what terms mr Boldero was prepared to offer mr Boldero was nebulously vague they met again in gumbril's rooms the contemporary drawings on the walls reminded mr boldero that he was now an art expert he told gumbril all about it in gumbril's own words every now and then it was true mr boldero made a little slip Picasso, for example remained unshakably Picasso. but on the whole the performance was most impressive it made gumbril feel very uncomfortable however while it lasted for he recognised in this characteristic of mr boldero a horrible character of himself he too was an assimilator more discriminating no doubt more tactful knowing better than mr boldero how to turn the assimilated experience into something new and truly his own but still a caterpillar definitely a caterpillar he began studying mr boldero with a close and disgustful attention as one might pore over some repulsive memento mori it was a relief when mr boldero stopped talking art and consented to get down to business cumberl was wearing for the occasion the sample pair of small clothes which mr bojanus had made for him for mr boldero's benefit he put them so to speak through their paces he allowed himself to drop with a bump on to the floor arriving there bruiseless and unjarred he sat in complete comfort for minutes at a stretch on the edge of the ornamental iron fender in the intervals he paraded up and down before mr Boldero like a manikin a trifle bulgy said mr Boldero, but still he was taking it all round favourably impressed it was time he said to begin thinking of details they would have to begin by making experiments with the bladders to discover a model combining as mr boldero put it maximum efficiency with minimum bulge when they had found the right thing they would have it made in suitable quantities by any good rubber firm as for the trousers themselves they could rely for those on sweated female labour in the east end cheap and good said mr boldero it sounds ideal said gumbrell and then said mr boldero there's our advertising campaign on that i may say he went on with a certain solemnity will depend the failure or success of our enterprise i consider it of the first importance quite said gumbril nodding importantly and with intelligence we must set to work said mr Boldera. scientifically gumbril nodded again we have to appeal mr Boldero went on so glibly that gumbril felt sure he must be quoting somebody else's words to the great instincts and feelings of humanity they are the sources of action they spend the money if i may put it like that that's all very well said Gumbrell. but how do you propose to appeal to the most important of, of the instincts i refer as you may well imagine to sex i was just going to come to that said mr boldero raising his hand as though to ask for a patient hearing alas we can't i don't see any way of hanging our small clothes on the sexual peg then we are undone said gumbril too dramatically no no mr boldero was reassuring you make the error of the viennese you exaggerate the importance of sex after all my dear mr there is also the instinct of self-preservation there is also he leaned forward wagging his finger the social instinct the instinct of the herd true both of them as powerful as sex what are the professor's famous censors but forbidding suggestions from the herd without made powerful and entrenched by the social instinct within gumbel had no answer mr boldero continued smiling so that we shall be all right if we stick to self-preservation and the herd rub in the comfort and the utility the hygienic virtues of our small clothes that will catch their self-preservatory feelings aim at their dread of public opinion at their ambition to be one better than their fellows and their terror of being different at all the ludicrous weaknesses a well-developed social instinct exposes them to. we shall get them if we set to work scientifically mr Boldero's bird-like eyes twinkled very brightly we shall get them he repeated and he laughed a happy little laugh full of such a childlike diabolism such an innocent gay malignity that it seemed as though a little leprechaun had suddenly taken the financier's place in gumbril's best armchair. gumbril laughed too, for this leprechaunish mirth was infectious. We shall get them, he echoed. Oh, I'm sure we shall, if you set about it, Mr. Boldero. Mr. Boldero acknowledged the compliment with a smile that expressed no false humility. It was as due, and he knew it i'll give you some of my ideas about the advertising campaign he said just to give you a notion you can think them over quietly and make suggestions yes yes said gumbrill nodding mr boldero cleared his throat we shall begin he said by making the most simple elementary appeal to their instinct of self-preservation we shall point out that the patent small-clothes are comfortable that to wear them is to avoid pain a few striking slogans about comfort that's all we want very simple indeed it doesn't take much to persuade a man that it's pleasanter to sit on air than on wood but while we're on the subject of hard seats we shall have to glide off subtly at a tangent to make a flank attack on the social instincts and joining the tip of his forefinger to the tip of his thumb mr boldero moved his hand delicately sideways as though he were sliding it along a smooth brass rail we shall have to speak about the glories and the trials of sedentary labour we must exalt its spiritual dignity and at the same time condemn its physical discomforts the seat of honour don't you know we could talk about that the seats of the mighty the seat that rules the office rocks the world all those lines might be made something of and then we could have little historical chats about thrones how dignified but how uncomfortable they've been we must make the bank clerk and the civil servant feel proud of being what they are and at the same time feel ashamed that being such splendid people they should have to submit to the indignity of having blistered hindquarters in modern advertising you must flatter your public not in the oily abject tradesmanlike style of the old advertisers crawling before clients who were they're social superiors that's all over now it's we who are the social superiors because we've got more money than the bank clerks and the civil servants our modern flattery must be manly straightforward sincere the admiration of equal for equal all the more flattering as we aren't equals mr Boldero laid a finger to his nose they are dirt and we are capitalists he laughed Cumberland laughed too it was the first time that he had ever thought of himself as a capitalist and the thought was exhilarating we flatter them went on mr boldero we say that honest work is glorious and ennobling which it isn't it's merely dull and cretinizing. and then we go on to suggest that it would be finer still more ennobling because less uncomfortable if they wore gumbel's patent small clothes you see the line gumbel saw the line after that said mr boldero we get on to the medical side of the matter the medical side mr Gumbril, that's the most important nobody feels really well nowadays at any rate nobody who lives in a big town and does the kind of loathsome work that the people we're catering for does keeping this fact before our eyes we have to make it clear that only those can expect to be healthy who wear pneumatic trousers that will be a little difficult won't it questioned not a bit of it mr Boldero laughed with an infectious confidence all we have to do is to talk about the great nerve centres of the spine the shocks they get when you sit down too hard the wearing exhaustion to which long protracted sitting on unpadded seats subjects them we'll have to talk very scientifically about the great lumbar ganglia if there are such things which i really don't pretend to know we'll even talk almost mystically about the ganglia you know that sort of ganglion philosophy mr boldero went on parenthetically very interesting it is sometimes i think we could put in a lot about the dark powerful sense life sex life instinct life which is controlled by the lumbar ganglion how important it is that that shouldn't be damaged that already our modern conditions of civilization tend unduly to develop the intellect and the thoracic ganglia controlling the higher emotions that we are wearing out growing feeble losing our balance in consequence and that the only cure if we are to continue our present mode of civilised life is to be found in gumbril's patent small clothes mr Boldero brought his hand with an emphatic smack on to the table as he spoke as he fairly shouted these last words magnificent said gumbril with genuine admiration this sort of medical and philosophical dope mr boldera went on is always very effective if it's properly used the public to whom we are making our appeal is of course almost absolutely ignorant on these or indeed on almost all other subjects it is therefore very much impressed by the unfamiliar words particularly if they have such a good juicy sound as the word ganglia there was a young man a beast, anglia whose loins were a tangle of ganglia murmured Gumbrel. improvisatore precisely said mr boldera precisely you see how juicy it is well as i say they are impressed and they are also grateful they are grateful to us for having given them a piece of abstruse unlikely information which they can pass on to their wives or to such friends as they know don't read the paper in which our advertisement appears can pass on airily don't you know with easy erudition as though they'd known all about ganglia from their childhood and they'll feel such a flow of superiority as they hand on the metaphysics and the pathology that they'll always think of us with affection they'll buy our breeks and they'll get other people to buy that's why mr boldera went off again on an instructive tangent that's why the day of secret patent medicines is really over it's no good saying you have rediscovered some secret known only in the past to the egyptians people don't know anything about egyptology but they have an inkling that such a science exists and that if it does exist it's unlikely that patent medicine makers should have found out facts unknown to the professors at the universities and it's much the same even with secrets that don't come from egypt people know there is such a thing as medical science and they again feel it's improbable that manufacturers should know things ignored by the doctors the modern democratic advertiser is entirely above board he tells you all about it he explains that the digestive juices acting on bismuth give rise to the disinfectant acid he points out that lactic ferment gets destroyed before it reaches the large intestine so that metchnikoff's cure generally won't work and he goes on to explain that the only way of getting the ferment there is to mix it with starch and paraffin starch to feed the ferment on paraffin to prevent the starch being digested before it gets to the intestine and in consequence he convinces you that a mixture of starch paraffin and ferment is the only thing that's any good at all consequently you buy it which you would never have done without the explanation in the same way mr Gumbrell, we mustn't ask people to take our trousers on trust we must explain scientifically why these trousers will be good for their health and by means of the ganglia as i've pointed out we can even show that the trousers will be good for their souls and the whole human race at large and as you probably know mr Gumbrell, there is nothing like a spiritual message to make things go combined spirituality with practicality and you fairly got them got them i may say on toast and that's what we can do with our trousers we can put a message into them-a big spiritual message decidedly he concluded we shall have to work those ganglia all we can i'll undertake to do that said Gumbrell, who felt very buoyant and self-assured mr boldera's hydrogenous conversation had blown him up like a balloon and i'm sure you'll do it well said mr boldero encouragingly there is no better training for modern commerce than a literary education as a practical business man i always uphold the ancient universities especially in their teaching of the humanities gumbrell was much flattered at the moment it seemed supremely satisfying to be told that he was likely to make a good business man the business man took on a radiance began to glow as it were with a phosphorescent splendour then it's very important continued mr boldero to play on their snobism to exploit that painful sense of inferiority which the ignorant and ingenuous always feel in the presence of the knowing we've got to make our trousers the thing socially right as well as merely personally comfortable we've got to imply somehow that it's bad form not to wear them we've got to make those who don't wear them feel rather uncomfortable like the film of charlie Chaplin's, where he's the absent-minded young man about town who dresses for dinner immaculately from the waist up white waistcoat tail coat stiff shirt top hat and only discovers when he gets down into the hall of the hotel that he's forgotten to put on his trousers we've got to make them feel like that that's always very successful you know those excellent american advertisements about young ladies whose engagements are broken off because they perspire too freely or have an unpleasant breath how horribly uncomfortable those make you feel we've got to do something of the same sort for our trousers or more immediately applicable would be those tailor's advertisements about correct clothes good clothes make you feel good you know the sort of line and then those grave warning sentences in which you're told that a correctly cut suit may make the difference between an appointment gained and an appointment lost an interview granted and an interview refused but the most masterly examples i can think of mr boldera went on with growing enthusiasm are those american advertisements of spectacles in which the manufacturers first assume the existence of a social law about goggles and then proceed to invoke all the sanctions which fall on the head of the committer of a solecism upon those who break it it's masterly for sport or relaxation they tell you as though it was a social axiom you must wear spectacles of pure tortoise-shell for business tortoise-shell rims and nickel earpieces lend incisive poise incisive poise we must remember that for our ads mr gumbrill gumbrill's patent small clothes lend incisive poise to business men for semi evening dress shell rims with gold earpieces and gold nose bridge and for a full dress gold-mounted rimless pince nez are refinement itself and absolutely correct thus we see a social law has been created according to which every self-respecting myope or astigmat must have four distinct pairs of glasses think if he should wear the all-shell sports model with full dress revolting solecism the people who read advertisements like that begin to feel uncomfortable they have only one pair of glasses they are afraid of being laughed at thought low-class and ignorant and suburban and since there are few who would not rather be taken in adultery than in provincialism they rush out to buy four new pairs of spectacles and the manufacturer gets rich mr gumbel now we must do something of the kind with our trousers imply somehow that they are correct that you're undressed without that your fiance would break off the engagement if she saw you sitting down to dinner on anything but air mr boldera shrugged his shoulders vaguely waved his hand it may be rather difficult said gumbril shaking his head it may mr boldera agreed but difficulties are made to be overcome we must pull the string of snobbery and shame it's essential we must find out methods for bringing the weight of public opinion to bear mockingly on those who do not wear our trousers it is difficult at the moment to see how it can be done but it will have to be done it will have to be done mr boldera repeated emphatically we might even find a way of invoking patriotism to our aid english trousers filled with english air for englishmen a little far-fetched perhaps but there might be something in it Grumble shook his head doubtfully well it's one of the things we've got to think about in any case said mr boldera we can't afford to neglect such powerful social emotions as these sex as we have seen is almost entirely out of the question we must run the rest therefore as hard as we can for instance there's the novelty business people feel superior if they possess something new which their neighbours haven't got the mere fact of newness is an intoxication we must encourage that sense of superiority brew up that intoxication the most absurd and futile objects can be sold because they're new not long ago i sold four million patent soap dishes of a new and peculiar kind the point was that you didn't screw the fixture into the bathroom wall you made a hole in the wall and built the soap dish into a niche like a holy water stoop my soap dishes possessed no advantages over other kinds of soap dishes and they cost a fantastic amount to install but i managed to put them across simply because they were new four million of them mr Boldero smiled with satisfaction at the recollection we shall do the same i hope with our trousers people may be shy of being the first to appear in them but the shyness will be compensated for by the sense of superiority and elation produced by the consciousness of the newness of the things quite so said gumbrill and then of course there's the economy slogan one pair of gumbrill's patent small-clothes will outlast six pairs of ordinary trousers that's easy enough so easy that it's really uninteresting mr boldero waved it away we shall have to have pictures said Gumbro parenthetically he had an idea oh of course i believe i know of the very man to do them gumbrell went on his name's Lippiat, a painter you've probably heard of him heard of him exclaimed mr boldero he laughed but who hasn't heard of lydgate Lippiat, lipgate i mean of course i think he'd be the very man said gumbel i'm certain he would said mr boldero not a whit behindhand gumbel was pleased with himself he felt he had done some one a good turn poor old lippiat be glad of the money gumbel remembered also his own fiver and remembering his own fiver he also remembered that mr boldero had as yet made no concrete suggestion about terms he nerved himself at last to suggest to mr Boldera that it was time to think of this little matter ah how he hated talking about money he found it so hard to be firm in asserting his rights he was ashamed of showing himself grasping he always thought with consideration of the other person's point of view poor devil could he afford to pay and he was always swindled and always conscious of the fact lord how he hated life on these occasions mr Boldero was still evasive i'll write you a letter about it he said at last gumber was delighted yes do he said enthusiastically do he knew how to cope with letters all right he was a devil with the fountain pen it was these personal hand-to-hand combats that he couldn't manage he could have been he always felt such a ruthless critic and satirist such a violent and scrupulous polemical writer and if ever he committed his autobiography to paper how breathtakingly intimate how naked naked without so much as a healthy sunburn to colour the whiteness how quiveringly a sensitive jelly it would be all the things he had never told any one would be in it confession at long range if anything it would be rather agreeable yes do write me a letter he repeated do mr boldero's letter came at last and the proposals it contained were derisory a hundred pounds down and five pounds a week when the business should be started five pounds a week and for that he was to act as a managing director writer of advertisements and promoter of foreign sales Cumble felt thankful that mr Boldera had put the terms in a letter if they had been offered point-blank across the luncheon table he would probably have accepted them without a murmur he wrote a few neat sharp phrases saying that he could not consider less than five hundred pounds down and a thousand a year mr boldera's reply was amiable would mr grumble come and see him see him well of course it was inevitable he would have to see him again some time but he would send the complete man to deal with the fellow a complete man matched with a leprechaun there could be no doubt as to the issue dear mr boldero he wrote back i should have come to talk over matters before this but i have been engaged during the last days in growing a beard and until this has come to maturity i cannot as you will easily be able to understand leave the house by the day after to-morrow however i hope to be completely presentable and shall come to see you at your office at about three o'clock if that is convenient to you i hope we shall be able to arrange matters satisfactorily believe me dear mr boldera yours very truly theodore Gumbel, Jr. the day after to-morrow became in due course to-day splendidly bearded and rabelaisianly broad in his whipcord toga gumbril presented himself at mr boldera's office in queen victoria street i should hardly have recognized you exclaimed mr boldero as he shook hands how it does alter you to be sure does it the complete man laughed with a significant joviality won't you take off your coat no thanks said Gumble. i'll keep it on well said the leprechaun leaning back in his chair and twinkling bird-like across the table well repeated Gumble, on a different tone from behind the stooks of his corn-like beard he smiled feeling serenely strong and safe i'm sorry we should have disagreed said mr boldera so am i the complete man replied but we shan't disagree for long he added with significance and as he spoke the words he brought down his fist with such a bang that the ink-pots on mr boldera's very solid mahogany writing-table trembled and the pens danced while mr boldera himself started with a genuine alarm he had not expected them and now he came to look at him more closely. This young Gumbrell was a great, hulking, dangerous-looking fellow. He had thought he would be easy to manage. How could he have made such a mistake? Gumbrell left the office, with Mr. Boldero's cheque, for three hundred and fifty pounds in his pocket, and an annual income of eight hundred. His bruised right hand was extremely tender to the touch. He was thankful that a single blow had been enough. End of chapter 10